So I just want to say uh, a few words just of introduction of Malcolm is, I've known Malcolm for uh, many years. I first heard Malcolm speak, I think probably way back in, well I can't remember when it's too, too far away, probably the Pleistocene age and um, there were dinosaurs still running around and uh, Malcolm was talking, uh, talking about prayer. It's probably the most impacting talk on prayer I've ever heard. So be expectant for God to speak to you this morning. Malcolm uh, is uh, uh, the former leader of Welcome Church in the uh, in Woking, formerly the Coin. He was there for many years. He's uh, a long-standing leader of. Uh, uh, he's well known in our church circles. Malcolm has, in the last year or so, he stepped in for Guy Miller, who oversees commission, and he now gives us input as a church, and so this week even was spending time with us as elders. He's a good friend, he's a great preacher, so let's give him a really big warm hand. Thank you. Thank you very much, Steve. It's really good to be with you uh, here this morning, and uh, I'm looking forward to what I'm going to preach, and I hope you are as well. Uh, As Steve mentioned, I've enjoyed meeting with your elders and wider leaders occasionally uh, for the last few years. You've got a good group of elders. I hope you honor them and appreciate them. Uh, No one's perfect, but they are doing well and seem to be in good heart and good spirit and good faith for the future as well. And of course, I've known John for many, many, many decades and uh, really appreciate uh, John and his ministry and Marion too. Uh, We're good friends, I would say, in in a good way. Not in each other's pockets, but lots of respect for one another. There's nothing I would wouldn't do for John, there's nothing he wouldn't do for me, and that's how we carry on, doing nothing for each other. (laughs) But we talk a good game in friendship. Um, As Steve mentioned, I retired from leading the Coin Church, now Welcome Church, in Woking. I've been there 26 years. My wife and I, Pam, still live in Woking, attend the church when we're around there, And uh, I'm kind of actively disengaged from the ministry there, not because they don't want me or I'm not interested, but it's a a different season for me. But they did invite me a year after I'd retired to go back and preach this summer. And the title of the preach they gave to me was, What Would Jesus Say About Getting Old? (laughs) Cheeky beggars. I mean... I thought the leadership were very gracious asking me back, but not very sensitive in giving me that topic because none of us admit to getting old. It's always somebody else that's getting old. It's the older people who are old, and that's the way it is. So I had to kind of learn a little bit about getting old and pressing on. But I did learn something. There's three stages to kind of memory loss. Uh, when you're getting older. And the first stage is you go into a room and you can't remember why you've gone into the room. And I can't remember the other two stages. So, (laughs) I think before you, you've got great challenges and great opportunities as a church. And if I'm going to serve you well as I continue to meet with elders and so on and other leaders... I want you to have a big vision because Jesus is still building his church. We know that's a familiar statement, but he is building his church. 
and he's doing that in Winchester, and he'll do it through Hope Church as well. Don't leave it to others to build and grow. Be part of it, and I'm glad that God is blessing you. Your elders know the ups and downs of church life, but they're very positive about the future and got great faith, and I know you're hoping to put a site out in the north of Winchester next year, and I hope that God blesses you. And actually, I've got a picture I believe that God's given to me for you. Uh, just earlier this week, I needed an elastic band, and uh, uh, I know where Pam keeps her elastic bands, and I found the cupboard. I'm not too familiar with kitchen things, but I went in and kind of found this, and Pam wraps uh, the elastic bands around a little cork from a wine bottle. And I went in, I needed a, a kind of elastic band that was much bigger than would take just the covering a cork bottle, a, co- a cork in a bottle. So what happened, this wine bottle, that the cork comes out, it's used now for wrapping up these elastic bands. And I saw this blue one, and it was wrapped around three times. And I took it off, and it was able to expand and do a much bigger job than it had done before. And I believe God would say to you that this church has been triple bound in a good way. It's been well built and well preserved. But now it's time for the elastic to be taken off and for you to be stretched. And there's to be no gainsayers seeing it's go- saying it's going to snap. It will not snap. Lord's going to enable you to enlarge your capacity and your, uh, your influence in this area. And so don't be negative. There's going to be some stretching. There is in elastic bands. There's going to be some stretching. There might be some pain. There might be some extra sacrifice. But I believe the Lord is saying, you've been triple bound, and that's been good. It's not been a selfish thing. It's in some way you've been prepared in storage for an expansion. So I want you to have faith for it. Let's stand. I want to pray for you as a church. If you're a guest or visitor, please join in with my prayer for this good people. I want to pray. Father, I thank you for the witness and the faithfulness of this church and this community of believers for many, many decades. Lord, as they face these present days, good things happening, but Lord, take this kind of risky step of this new site. I pray, Lord, they will know that you are with them in mighty ways. And I pray they will know as as leaders that the people are with them in faith and obedience, in willingness to serve. And I pray, Lord, this picture, other pictures they've received have helped them, but I pray this picture also will help them. But what has been triple bound will now be enlarged to encompass a much bigger thing and hold it together in order that your kingdom might be extended. The influence of your goodness and your gospel may be much broader than ever before in this town and this region. I pray your blessing on this church. I pray your protection upon it. And I pray, Lord, there will be much joy and love in fellowship together as they press on in you. Amen. Amen. Please sit down. I wonder what you think Jesus would give you if he was asking you to imitate what he was like. I'm keen on sports. I used to be a PE teacher. I'm keen on sports. So I, I follow football, cricket, all sorts of different things. But I know one cricketer, please excuse me if you're not interested in cricket, 
One cricketer who's done outstandingly well. His name's James Anderson, Jimmy Anderson. And he's the best fast bowler in the world. He's taken the most wickets. And if any of you were interested in emulating Jimmy Anderson, it would be no good just talking about it. What I would have to do is get a cricket ball and give it to you. And I would say, okay, if you want to emulate Jimmy Anderson, there's a ball. I don't know what your name is. What's your name? Yanni. Yanni. Have you ever played cricket? No. No. Well, you're a bad example, but you'll, (laughs) you'll be very helpful. I would say, Yanni, you better go and practice with that. In fact, we could practice just throwing and catching. If you're good at that, oh, that's wonderful. That's brilliant. He's got a chance of emulating. Hold that. I do want it back later on. But if Jesus was to give you something, do you think he would give you a Bible and say, how good are you with the Bible? I don't think he would. I think what he'd give you would be a towel. And he'd ask you, how good are you at serving? How good are you at washing the feet of others? Because that's what it is to be like Jesus. One of my most favorite jokes, and I repeat it often, but it's really funny, is a mum was helping her two boys. And uh, they'd just eaten some cakes, and the last cake was on the plate. And both the boys were looking at the last cake. And the mum thought, oh, there's got to be tension and a fight here. I'll tell you what, I'll just help to spiritualize it. Do you know if Jesus was here, she said to them, Jesus would offer his brother the last cake. So one brother turned to the other and said, you be Jesus. (laughs) See, we want everyone else to be like Jesus. We want everyone else to be more like Jesus. And sometimes we want to be like Jesus. So I'm not preaching about serving this morning because there isn't serving going on. There is. You're a good-sized church with lots of different ministries. Some of you serve hidden away. You're not seen, not noticed, maybe not even appreciated as much as you should be. Some of you serve publicly, more on the platform, in other leadership contexts. So I know serving goes on, but I do know this. The serving capacity of this church is going to be stretched in the months and the years ahead. I don't know your personal experiences or your own circumstances, but I just want to bring a challenge to you this morning that you should be like Jesus. It says the church, the Bible says the church grows as every part does its work. It does its work. And serving shows that you have the mind and the spirit of Jesus Christ. Serving is about good tasks and a godly attitude. It's not something that's imposed on you, but it's something you willingly undertake for the sake of Christ's gospel and for the sake of his church and kingdom. And when you do it, hopefully you're motivated by his great mercy shown to us, that we could ever be part of his kingdom, part of his family, We offer our bodies as living sacrifices in view of his grace and his mercy towards us. So I want to read a passage from John 13 where Jesus washes the feet 
of his disciples. The context is that the disciples have been arguing about who the greatest is, and Jesus has already said, I'm among you as someone who serves like a waiter, humbly meeting people's basic needs. And then Jesus shows how to do it. John chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was, all, was being served. And the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he'd come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel round his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped round him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I just want to bring out some points on Jesus' example about serving. In some ways, this is a recruitment sermon. It's not something that the elders have asked me to preach on, but I know in leading other churches and leading other church, helping other churches that have gone to multi-sites or planted a church, the church is stretched. And sometimes people just need to take another step forward in serving and availability. There's lots of other contexts where you serve. And there's lots of other places where you will work hard. Home, places of work, school, university. But we also want people who have got the heart of Jesus, who will step up and do something to help the ongoing ministry and witness of the local church, especially as you're transitioning from one site to two sites. The first thing I want to say is this. Jesus served whilst under pressure himself. Jesus knew he was heading to Calvary. He knew what he was facing. He was under probably the greatest pressure anyone has ever faced to take the sin of the world upon himself, to be crucified as an innocent man, as a lamb to be sacrificed, blameless, perfect. He was under incredible pressure, and yet he served others. 
Now, you and I know something of pressure. We don't know anything like the pressure that Jesus was under. But we do know pressure. Life seems to get busier and busier. I know a lady who went to an electrical appliance shop uh, and the man who was selling things said, Madam, this machine here will do half of your domestic chores. And she said, good, I'll have two. (laughs) You see, we're looking for all sorts of ways by which we find time. But I find the more and more kind of time-saving devices we get, the busier we seem to be. The more under pressure we seem to be. We fill things, even the things that we have that serve us, the phones and those sort of things. We're kind of mesmerized by them. And we take some time and time. I'm not complaining against these uh, advances in technology. I'm just saying that sometimes it's so easy to say, well, I live a pressured life. Jesus did. But he took some time to serve others. Sometimes our busyness and our pressure and our responsibilities, good responsibilities at home, and looking after children and so on, looking after those who need our care, it squeezes serving others or serving the king out of our diaries. And I think on a day like today when we're remembering those from previous generations who served us so well, by giving themselves, whether they died or whether they came back, they offered themselves to serve the king and the kingdom. Then we want to be a people who are thinking generations ahead. Your serving today is preparing the way for freedom for future generations, for the good news of Jesus Christ. You may not have much fruit where you're serving now. It may be hard work. But who knows the benefits they're going to accrue as you trust God and serve Him. So let's not put our own excuses too easily to the front. Say, well, I'm busy. I'm very, very busy. You probably are. But I'm under pressure. But even Jesus, who was under pressure, He served. There's so many hurts and bruises in our lives today. But I tell you, sometimes serving others can help you to a measure of healing. I don't want to be glib about depression or mental challenges, mental health challenges, but I do know this. It says this in Isaiah 58. Spend yourself for the hungry. Satisfy the needs of the oppressed. Then your light will rise in the darkness and your your night will become like midday. That is something of a promise that when we look to serve others, There's something that is blessed within ourselves. Jesus served whilst under pressure himself. The next thing is Jesus served without discrimination. Look who he was serving. He was washing the feet of these disciples. They weren't always brilliant to be around. Jesus called them slow. Now, he wasn't nasty with them. He just said, listen, you're slow to learn. He rebuked them for their lack of faith. And then they've just been having an argument about who was the greatest. Imagine being Jesus walking along and hearing these guys arguing about who was the greatest. He must have thought it was hilarious. It's like your children saying how wonderful they are when there's still a lot more of life for them to learn. And that's what happens. Jesus 
he's dealing with these men who are flawed, who are slow to pick up on his teaching. They're slow to have faith. They're quickly distracted. Now they're arguing about who's the greatest, and yet Jesus serves them. He serves without discrimination. He serves one who would even refuse his washing. Peter, really contrary. Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. Listen, Peter, I need to wash your feet, otherwise you have no power. Oh, well, not just my feet. Wash everything, Lord. Wouldn't you like just to slap him? Excuse me, that's not a very pastoral statement. But here's a guy that moves from one end to the other. So frustrating. People are contrary, up and down. Sometimes they're dependable. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they turn up. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they appreciate what you're doing. Sometimes they don't. But Jesus still served them. What a great example. Without discrimination. He served also one who was going to betray him. Isn't that grace? Isn't that love? Isn't that mercy? To serve someone that you know is going to betray you? I would have balked, I think, at washing Judas's feet. I would have just wanted to let him know that I knew what was going to happen. I might have just tweaked his toes a few times. Or just bent his ankle a little bit. But fortunately, Jesus has a more pure heart than I have. Even people who are going to let you down, people who are going to betray you, Jesus served them. And all of them were going to forsake him. Jesus didn't look and see whether they were worthy of his service. He didn't look at their dirtiness and condemn their dirtiness or even the folly of their arguments about who was greatest. He saw their worth and he served them whether they deserved it or not. And he served them whether they appreciated it or not. That's the hardest thing sometimes in serving. I want to tell you, it's it's easier to be on a platform and serve than it is to serve behind the scenes. Because often on a platform, you can preach, you can teach, you can lead, you can do something, you get some feedback from people that can be encouraging. Sometimes you serve out there, no one notices. Sometimes you lead in a group week by week, faithfully hosting different ministries, turning up, and you're not really sometimes publicly appreciated. I'm sure you are appreciated, but nothing much is said. Sometimes you may even feel as if you're treated like a servant. See, we all like to be called servants. We don't like to be treated like servants. Sometimes people say, go, will you do this? And we say, well, wait a minute. People expect things from us. But Jesus here, he served without discrimination, without thought of any return. He saw the worth of these people and he saw the value of serving them. Jesus said that sinners serve those who reciprocate, but Christians serve those who may not reciprocate. We want to be like Jesus. Then let's serve even if we're under pressure, and let's serve without discrimination. The next thing, he served with deep humility. There was no insecurity with Jesus. 
no insecurity. He knew who he was. He was King of Kings, Lord of Lords. We had a great worship time earlier on, singing about Jesus. What a beautiful name. What a powerful name. What a wonderful name. He's worthy of our praise. And yet Jesus, this mighty one, he bows down and washes our feet. He washed the feet of the disciples. Deep humility. Despite his stature, despite his qualifications, despite who he was, he served others. He was worthy of being served, and yet he served others. He humbled himself and became like a servant. I just want to say in a good way, I don't know uh, many of you. I just want to say this. None of us have been promoted beyond serving. None of us. We still should carry a servant heart where we can, where we can serve. None of us should have left serving behind. Whatever you are. I know people, I, I led a great church for 26 years in Woking. You know, that church was a good church. Not because of me particularly or other leaders or ministries, but because we had hundreds of people who served. They were the living stones within the church, which we could build together. You could build with them because they were dependable, but they were lively as well. They were living stones. And some of them served for decades in certain ministries, then gave up that ministry. But then you'd find them popping up elsewhere, serving, helping out where we can. Let's serve. None of us are too important to serve. Jesus wasn't. And my last point here before I come to a conclusion is Jesus said we should serve one another. See, when you're preaching, you really want to go for encouragement. Make people feel good and, and better and, and encourage them the way ahead. Sometimes you have to exhort. Sometimes you have to say, come on. You need to get on with things. You need to, you know, pull your socks up, roll your sleeves up. Jesus, in a very gracious way, and far better than I or anyone else could do it, now says to the disciples, you've seen what I've done? Now, if you want to be like me, you do it. And if you do it, you will be blessed. There's encouragement there, but there's also Jesus not afraid to bring a challenge to say, come on, there's a work to do. There are needs. There are dirty feet out there that need to be washed. There are dirty feet within the church. There's dirty feet within the community. You need to serve. Please come and do it. Jesus said to them, I've shown you what you should do for each other. He wasn't afraid to exhort. It's not a law, but it is a fruit of the work of Jesus within us. We don't prove that we're Christians by serving. It's a fruit of being someone who's been saved by God's grace. Hallelujah. And we serve. And Jesus said, listen, I'm exhorting you. And disciples still needed exhorting until the perfect came. 
We still need exhorting him. We need this exhortation. I need this exhortation from Christ. Let's receive it. Let's not fear it. Let's not reject it. Let's not re- consider it legalism or you know, somebody come from commission coming in from outside and telling you what to do. Receive it from Jesus. Jesus said, I've done this. Now you do it. As I said, many of you are already serving. I want to thank God for those who serve. And we're not saying if you can't serve or you're not serving, you're not of any value. You are of great value. You're playing a part, and there are seasons in our lives as well. Sometimes when we can serve, sometimes when we can't. But what we want to get is the heart of Jesus within every one of us. Amen? Amen. Not just to fill rotors, not just because of multi-site, but above all, we want to be like Jesus. You be Jesus. You be Jesus. You be Jesus. And he says this, listen, you call me teacher, you call me Lord, absolutely right. I deserve those titles, and yet look what I've done. I've served you. Now, go and do it. Go and do it to others. Jesus measures greatness by serving, not by status. As I said earlier, sometimes it's easier to to be a leader and to be recognized and to have plaudits or even complaints come your way because you're involved in leadership. But actually, serving is not a status thing. It's a heart thing. And without boasting, I don't want to lose any eternal reward, but as a leader, I've also cleaned the toilets. (laughs) I've also, I did a job for a church up north for a while as a volunteer, putting the posters up outside. I was useless at it. I had to paste them. I wasn't even good at wallpapering. I had to paste them and put them up. I'm not saying I was great. I wasn't saying I was singing songs of praise as I was doing it, as this stupid paper was flapping in my face. I wasn't doing it at all. I was a bit grumpy. But I know it needed to be done. And God did something within me. It's not a matter of status. God measures greatness by serving. The world's view is how many people serve you. That's greatness. But God's view is how are you serving others. I also want to say that you've been called up. We remember people today who were called up. You've been called to salvation and to serving. It's not just a matter of stepping over a line and being safe and saying, well, now I'm going to heaven. It's a matter of entering into the kingdom of God and his purposes. That's what God wants you to be drawn into. It will be a blessing to you. And you will serve future generations, just like we've been served by previous generations who were willing to be called up, who made a sacrifice for us. It says in Galatians, you were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to serve the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. We don't serve God out of guilt, fear, or duty, but out of joy and deep gratitude for what he's done. We owe him 
our lives. Through salvation, our past has been forgiven. Hallelujah. Our present is given meaning and our future is secured. And in light of these great benefits, it's the Apostle Paul that says, because of great, God's great mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices to God, dedicated to his service. We are all called to full-time Christian service. Amen? All of us. Some of you are doing that in different contexts, workplace, amongst children, serving. We're all called to full-time service with him. Don't forget, in serving the community, the, the church needs to be served in its work as well. The local church is a key place, not the only place, but a key place of service, the God-given place where many of you discover and develop and use the gifts that God has given you to serve others. And your service is useful. There are churches that are closing down because they've lost people who are just not willing to carry responsibility and take up the baton and other reasons as well. God created and called you and me for good works, prepared beforehand for us to do. Please don't say I'm too busy. I find that people find time for what they want to do. And next time you feel that God can't use you, remember this. Noah was drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer and had long hair. <laughs> Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David was an adulterer and murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah went about naked for three years. Jonah ran away from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. <laughs> so what's your excuse? I want to smile on our faces because I don't want any wrong heaviness in what I'm sharing with you. I want the joy of the Lord to be upon this church. And there's joy in serving the Lord and serving one another. It is difficult. It can feel unrewarding at times, but it does reflect the heart of Jesus. I don't know where you need people to serve. I'm, I'm pleased I don't know. I can preach this word to you this morning as a good word. It's a good word for you to hear and for you to be encouraged to imitate Jesus as you serve him and his kingdom and his church. In the New Testament, there are two water basins that are mentioned. One was one that Pilate used where he washed his hands and he says, I want nothing to do with this. The other one was where Jesus took the water and washed the feet of others. I want to say in a, in a poignant way, 
Which basin are you using? Please let the heart of Jesus be in you. Let's stand. Lord, Lord Jesus, we exalt and praise your love and your mercy and your patience. We thank you on this day we can remember your sacrifice for us. And we thank you for the freedom that we now enjoy. Freedom from condemnation. Freedom from hopelessness. Thank you, Lord, for the joy that you've placed within us. For the love that we receive from you and from others around us. And Lord, we receive your exhortation in a good way. We don't want to fight you. We don't want to resist you. We want to yield to you, Lord Jesus, that your heart may be our heart. Lord, you know circumstances here. You know where people can and can't and are incapable of serving. But you also know, Lord, where there's room for people to engage with more of your heart and be available to serve you. And I pray you'll increase the spirit of servanthood in this church. Not because it isn't there, it's here in abundance, but Lord, multiply it in these days, not just for what we're being called to next year, but for future generations. Let us be willing today to lay down our lives for future generations. Just like you were willing to humble yourself, Lord Jesus, to wash feet, but also beyond that, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice for us. Thank you, Lord, for your obedience. And we pray you'll just touch our hearts and change our hearts. I pray, Lord, right now you'll encourage all people who serve, people who are serving our children right now, bless them, encourage them. People who serve in different ministries in this church, encourage them, bless them today in their serving. Pray, Lord, for the elders of this church, bless them, for their wives and families, bless them, Lord, those who take responsibility. You said, Lord, we'll be blessed if we do what you have told us to do. I pray your richest blessing on this church as it multiplies. Amen. Amen. Amen.